This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today we got a special interview for you. It is with my buddy, Mitch Benjamin, otherwise known as Meet Mitch. So this is this is a fun palate cleanser episode, guys, because I know we talk a lot about uh, you know super heavy subjects and things that are very, very important, but you know they kind of wear on you a little bit. That's not what this episode is. This one is 100% fun because Meet Mitch is a barbecue world champion from Kansas City. So one of my favorite subjects on the planet Earth to talk about and to experience is barbecue. So this guy, he's super impressive. So he has a line of sauces and rubs that I pretty much use exclusively whenever I'm smoking meats. And those sauces and rubs have been used in barbecue competitions all over the world. I mean, from, from you know, basically my notes, we've got France and Australia and Switzerland and New Zealand and the UK and Brazil and Canada. His stuff is used all over the place. And he has had a tremendous amount of barbecue competition success. So he's done really well just in the backyard, you know, entertaining people, but he has gone everywhere and won basically every title that I can think of that you could win in the world of barbecue, including, you know, he won, you know, the Memphis in May world championships of barbecue sauce several times, like just a super impressive resume. And guys, whenever you see the video here in a second, if you're watching this on YouTube, he has all his trophies out there in the open. He is just real bold about it. I absolutely love it. But also he took his competition success into the restaurant industry. So he actually opened up a barbecue restaurant in Kansas City, which sounds crazy to do to compete in that market, but it's called Char Bar. It is one of the best places that you can get barbecue in the in the entire world. It is, as I said in the podcast episode, it's like my happy place. And Char Bar actually won Best New Restaurant in Kansas City in 2015. And again, a barbecue restaurant in Kansas City, there's nowhere to hide, right? If it stinks, it's going to go out of business immediately. It's thriving. It's going well. But also this guy, uh, he has a tremendous amount of friends that he's created through the barbecue world. And one of the members of his team and on his barbecue team is none other than one of the best baseball players ever to play. And that's Kansas city Royals legend, George Brett. So as a quick aside, I don't normally do this long of an intro, but I've got to tell the story about how I met meet Mitch and how I kind of got, you know, into this whole thing. So back in 2012, I was working for major league baseball, kind of a unique opportunity, but we're in the studio. There were constantly players coming through celebrities coming through. We would interact with them, blah, blah, blah. But one day we're told, hey, George Brett's coming through. And I'm like, oh, cool, George Brett. That's awesome. You know, I obviously was a fan of baseball my entire life. I know who George Brett is. You know, his his best years were kind of before I was into baseball, before I was born, actually. But he comes in to the place where I work. And it was as if, you know, the mayor had walked in. Like, you know, just, and I mean that in a way that he was just so nice and so happy to be there. And so accommodating and just this big personality, told great stories, would laugh and enjoy his time with everybody. But then he and I got into a conversation because I told him, hey, I'm from Oklahoma. And he's like, oh, you know, Missouri, we're really close. And he just asked me to my face. He's like, hey, have you all any good barbecue here in New York City? Because at the time that I met him, I think I had been in New York for three or four months at that point. And I just go, no, I have not found a a good barbecue spot at all. And George Brett literally looked. Like he was going to cry almost. He's like, wait a minute, what? Excuse me, what? You haven't had good barbecue. You're telling me you've been here for this long and you haven't had good barbecue? He goes, okay. And that was it. I was like, I I don't know what okay means, but he looked like he was doing some math in his head. And then George Brett leaves, right? Like he's gone. You know, we got to meeting. It was great. You know, you got to meet a Hall of Famer. You know, it's just a cool experience. A couple of days later, okay, I get an email 
And it's from Mitch Benjamin, the guy who we're talking about today and talking on the show with. And it was like, hey, by the way, you should be receiving a package today. Uh, inside of it, there's going to be dry ice. There's going to be ribs and burnt ends and all kinds of stuff from from me and my competition team in Kansas City. By the way, we've also gotten a restaurant around the corner from your workplace. They're expecting you take the ribs and burnt ends and everything by. They're going to warm everything up in one of their industrial you know, kitchens and all that so you guys can have fresh, warm Kansas City barbecue. Yeah. George Brett comes in, and then a couple of days later, he makes sure that we can have Kansas City barbecue while we're sitting in the middle of Manhattan. Like literally one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. It was such a great thing. And then I actually got to thank George Brett in person a few months later, about you know a few weeks later, actually at the All-Star game that was in Kansas City that year. Just a great guy. George Brett is just such a cool guy to be around. If you ever have the chance to meet him or be around him, I would definitely suggest you do that. But again, this interview with Mitch was such a, a fun interview to do because we don't normally do stuff that's in this arena. But I know a lot of you guys out there are, you know, you know, want to be pit masters or maybe you just kind of smoke some meats on the weekend. So we talk about some of his secrets. We talk about his competition career. We talk about, you know, some of the interactions he's had with, you know, sports players and different experiences he's had with that. This has literally taken Mitch around the world. He is one of my favorite people. I can't wait for you guys to hear from him. So I'm not going to keep him from you any longer. Let's get into it. Mitch Benjamin, welcome to Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I couldn't be more excited to be here and share some time with you. Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. And I just got to say right from the beginning, I called you by your Christian name, okay? <laughs> Mitch Benjamin. But nobody calls you that. Everyone calls you Meet Mitch. So is that a moniker that you came up with for yourself or did that just kind of happen over time? Where did that come from? Unfortunately, I think I named myself. That's okay. <laughs> I had a little, hey. little something to do with barbecue. Hey, only my audience will know that. Don't worry about it. We won't let it out to the entire world. But, you know, uh, we're going to get into all the barbecue stuff, guys. And guys, there's there's so much content we're going to get into. This is going to be a great conversation. But you weren't always a, a world championship barbecue pit master, right? You, like, no, you, only you didn't in my come head. Out, yeah, you, you didn't come out of the womb <laughs> doing that. So I guess what were you doing in terms of an introduction? What were you doing before you were in the world of barbecue? And I love the story about how you got into barbecue. So take us from what you were doing before to how you got into barbecue to begin with. Yeah, so I actually grew up on the East Coast in Pennsylvania, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and graduated from Penn State um, and I think uh, end of 1994. Shortly thereafter, I got kind of my my dream job, the job that I always wanted, which was TaylorMade Golf Company to be a, a sales rep. And it just so happened that was in Kansas City, so I couldn't be more thrilled. So I picked up and moved to KC. And really, the culture uh, and the lifestyle in Kansas City is very much centered on barbecue. Mm. So I quickly uh, was introduced to barbecue, fell in love to barbecue with barbecue. I bought my first house and moved in next to a guy that had a... Uh, a, a swimming pool, a refrigerator full of beer, and a pit that had rolling smoke going all the time. So as there you can go. imagine, I'd drive, pull into my driveway and walk into his house, not right. mine. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, he, he introduced me to barbecue. Uh, in 1999, gosh, it's so long ago, I went to my first American Royal, which is the largest uh, barbecue competition in the world, upwards of 600 teams at, at times. And uh, I quickly found out that was also the largest party in the world. Just so much fun. Hay bales and music and girls dancing and the whole nine yards. You know, it was just like my jaw was on the ground and the smells and the fun. 
Um, so I joined, I signed up and joined the next year for the American Royal. I came up with a team name. I told my buddies that they were on my team. And next thing we know, we were, you know, slot 406 or whatever it was. You know what I mean? And we right. had a party and we just had an unbelievable time. And, and through the years, that party grew to be the largest uh, of its kind at the American Royal and really just had some fun. And, and we started to have success. You know, it was, it was crazy. I think it was a first or second year in. We grabbed our last keg of beer and went back to my house uh, before the awards ceremony, not even thinking about going to that mess. And I get a call from my buddy saying, where are you? You just won third place brisket out of 500 teams in the right. world. I'm like, you shitting me. I'm like, really? I'm like, that is awesome. So started to kind of uh, take the craft seriously through the years and uh, developed my own line of barbecue sauces and rubs and competed with those and had a lot of success fast. Um, and, you know. I, one of the big things for me also was my relationship with George Brett, as you know, the baseball player, the heralded Hall of Famer here in Kansas City, the legend. And, uh, you know, through the golf business, he and I became quick friends and he really enjoys cooking and, and barbecuing and introduced me to the Royals and gave me an opportunity to cook, um, you know, for the clubhouse for the Royals, which is kind of how you and I ultimately got together mm -hmm. was through baseball. Um, he, he made me the ambassador of barbecue to Kansas city in 2012 during the, the all-star game, the three nights, uh, which is there a better title than ambassador of barbecue? Like that's way it. better I love than it. like secretary of state or any of that. Like that's a cool title. I love it. He's so much fun. And, uh, ultimately that led out to me being out on the field during the home run derby and giving my ribs to, to Boomer and Nomar Garcia Pera and John Crook and, uh, Adam Jones from the, uh, what was he with the Orioles the came Orioles, out of the bullpen yeah. and started chowing ribs and saying, these are the best ribs I ever had. And, and George, you know, spelled out meet Mitch, M E A T Mitch.com, you know, go there to get ribs and barbecue sauce and crash my website. It was just a, a fun, fun, cool, unique opportunity, which, which led to, to many more. I mean, from there I had an opportunity the Royals, uh, uh and, Yankees played on a Sunday night where Derek Jeter was retired. So they, they flew me in to do the retirement party for Derek Jeter where, um, you know, Michael Jordan's there. Reggie Jackson has tongs standing next to me, putting ribs on people's plates. <laughs> oh, wow. It was like, I made it up, you know, right? It's like a weird science movie. And I drew up this whole deal of what I wanted to happen. So, and it's just the whole sports thing has continued to grow with barstool sports. I've been there a few times. They've been out here to Kansas city to my restaurant and uh, yeah, it just it, it never stopped. Finally, my my real passion became barbecue and I became 100 percent barbecue and no more golf about uh, five years ago. That's awesome. I mean, you brought up so many things and we're going to get into a lot more detail into all that, but that's a great primer for us. But I guess for someone like me, you know, I like eating barbecue, but barbecue still kind of scares me the whole process because I don't want to ruin like an expensive cut of meat or something <laughs> like that. But yeah. I, I guess for you, since you are legitimately a world champion pit master, what are some of the early barbecue smoking mistakes that you see a lot of people make, regardless of the setup that they're using? Mm -hmm. And and what are the, I guess, the common mistakes that people make when they're smoking meat? Well, I've made them all. I mean, to your point, I have burnt everything, undercooked everything, fallen asleep, and pits have gone completely stone cold for hours. I mean, I mean, <laughs> you have to make every mistake until you can get some wins in the column. Trust me, especially right. with barbecue. It's a low and slow method that I use. Uh, hot and fast is also a popular, you know, auto, I, way to go now too. But for me, I think patience is the biggest, the biggest thing. Um, people, they don't realize 
oh, yeah, hey, let's whip up a brisket. Well, you know, it could be 10 hours before we're, you know, 11, 12 hours before we're even trying anything, you know? And oftentimes guys will look at me and say, is it done? Is it done? And I just say no immediately before even looking at it, knowing what's going on. But right away, the answer is no. Have another beer. It's not done. We'll get to it. So I think patience is is the the thing. I mean, a lot of, you know, people just don't have that time anymore, you know, which is unfortunate, but to dedicate, you know, the hours and hours and hours needed, but um, anyone can do it. You know, funny story, Shields, uh, which is a department store, sporting goods store, um, really big in the Midwest. I'm not sure if they have them in Oklahoma or not, but they are located in Fargo, North Dakota. And about six weeks ago, I they flew me out to Fargo along with about 15 other pitmasters across the country. Think of a Dick's Sporting Goods if you're not familiar with Shields. Yeah, yeah. Same same type footprint, and barbecue for them, similar to uh, others, um, is the like Academy Sports and things of that nature. Barbecue is the fastest growing footprint in their store, and it's because of Traegers and Yetis and the coolers and and smokers and. Uh, uh, you know, the, all of this kind of stuff, backyard uh, guys through COVID forced to cook on their own, were buying all this stuff, you know, buying the Traegers, buying the, buying the uh, charcoal, the pellets, the, the books that I have now, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're so into it because of COVID. It really has really grown, grown the deal. And I've got guys now that uh, I've been playing golf with for, for 25 years, never cared about a brisket. And I'm getting a text from Timmy saying, hey, fat side up or fat side down. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you <laughs> cooking a brisket? I mean, everybody's so into it right now. It's awesome. But I think to go back is, is not to have any fear. Don't have any fear. Take it on. And why I brought this Shields conversation up is because we led their team. So I had a team of 15 guys that worked on the floor and they wanted them to feel comfortable about talking about cooking a brisket. And we did a real brisket conversation competition all night long, the whole deal. I wasn't allowed to touch anything. They had to cut it. They had to, we injected, we did everything that we would do in a barbecue competition and they did it all and they had a ball. And the whole idea was for them to be comfortable when they go into work Monday morning. And if a guy comes up and, and buys a Traeger or is looking at it saying, are you going to cook a brisket this weekend? And that guy generally says, no, no, I'm not that far up yet. You know, we're going to look at some hot dogs over here and see how those go. <laughs> he can say, no, no, you can take this on, man. I just did a brisket all weekend long. It was so easy. You know, you just need to have time and patience and really work through it, but it was so good. So just being comfortable with it and having, you know, no fear and having patience, I think would be the biggest thing to start your foundation of barbecue cooking with. Okay. Well, I have uh, zero patience and I'm scared to death of ruining a brisket, but Hey, you know what? We can do a little one-on-one counseling session after we're done here and you can help me out with that. But I want to kind of get back to the competitions that you talked about. Cause I've never been to like a full on barbecue competition. I've been to like, you know, the local fair, right. Where you yeah. got one or two guys that bring out pulled pork or something like that. But for those of us, and you get into great detail this in this, in the book, and we're going to talk a lot about the book here in just a second. But for those of you that, and for those of us that have not been to a barbecue competition, what is it like for the, not just the spectators, right? But mm -hmm. also for the competitors, because you get into a lot of detail as to the timing of when you're doing things. And it seems like there's so much going on, but what's it like for both parties? Well, it's, uh, you know, your first one's always going to be very daunting. Um, you don't know what you're doing. You're new kid on the block. Um, you know, you get a, an assigned space. So you roll in there with your, your U-Haul full of smokers and your tables and your, you know, you spend countless hours you know, putting together lists of everything that you're going to need. And as soon as you get there and unpack, there's five things you forgot, you know, no matter what. So it's, it's getting organized. It's keeping your spot clean. Um, 
But for me, you know, after the first, second, third one, then you, you pull in and you just start looking for your friends. You know, it's so much fun. It's really a community, uh, a brethren of, of friendship and the barbecue community. Everybody talks about it is just so welcoming. Um, there is a level of competition, but not really. I mean, everyone I think truly is happy, uh, for each other when they win and they're to console them when they lose. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool environment and it, it's a, it's a long, you know, again, patience. We roll in Friday morning and oftentimes, especially at the Royal, we're not leaving until Sunday night. So it's a, it's a commitment, but it's fun. It's so fun. Well, and the thing about it is, is like at the end of the day, there is the camaraderie and then there is the actual competition. Right. And so mm-hmm. I've even watched some, some different shows where they're, they're the barbecue pit masters that are judging things. And it seems like each judge is looking for something a little bit different, which is kind of hard to prepare for if Correct. you're actually competing to win. But I guess in a, in a macro sense, 30,000 foot view, what are barbecue competition judges looking for? Well, you kind of nailed it. Um, it's different and it's different regionally. So We'll go to the Memphis and May World Championships every year and compete. And that's going to be a different, first of all, it's a different cut of meat with the ribs than we're going to use. We'll do baby mm-hmm. backs down there as opposed to the St. Louis style uh, spare ribs that we'll do here in KCBS competitions in Kansas City. Um, sometimes judges are running sweet. Sometimes they're a little, you know, heat. Oftentimes, unless you're really dialed in and, and there's several guys that compete every week, you know, I'm not doing that. Um I kind of just hit the big boys and have some fun, but I'll talk to guys that are out there grinding and say, Hey, what's, what's running hot right now? Like what's, what are the judges looking for? Cause it changes all the time. Mm. And especially when you get to a big, big competition like the American Royal, where you have 500 teams, um, you got to imagine how many judges there are and maybe not so, you know, maybe they are not so seasoned, you know, maybe they're getting yeah. ordained as they walk in the tent as a <laughs> yeah. judge, you know, so it kind of be, can become a crapshoot really. So it's a, there's a lot of luck involved, especially in the bigger ones, but you'll, you'll see that the cream rises to the top. The same guys continue to win and put out the best product. So, um, yeah, my, I, I usually do for me, my, my flavor profile is kind of sweet with just a little bit of heat, but you have to be careful with the heat factor. You get one person at that table of six that does not like spice or heat Mm. and you're out. I remember a judge at the, uh, the um what memphis and may is a little different there's a blind box competition but then also every 15 minutes uh, a personalized judge comes to your tent and sits in front of you and eats the meat in front of you and critiques it and you make up you know stories and tell them that you raised the pig and it sucked on your finger from <laughs> you know two days old and you tell all these lies it's so funny and uh she came back at the end and we had just barely lost i think we were just out of the top 10 that year and she came back afterwards and she said boy, your ribs were so good, but I just had a little piece of pepper get stuck in my teeth. And I just couldn't uh, get out of it. So I had to mark you down. And I'm thinking, really? I drove, uh, I drove eight, nine hours down here. I've been here fault. since Tuesday and you got yeah. a piece of pepper stuck in your teeth. So I lose the competition. That's just an example of how crazy it is, man. You get the stars have to line up and you got to get it right. Hey, I completely understand that. And I remember when I was watching, I forget what the show was, but it was the one that Myron Mixon was on where they're sure. kind of going around doing these competitions or whatever. And it was like, 
hearing them describe what they were when they were judging the different meats, it helped me to understand why I like certain cuts or certain ways of preparing meat better. So for me, growing up, it was always a thing like, oh man, you just want these ribs to fall off the bone. And then I would have these fall off the bone ribs and I wouldn't yeah. enjoy them as much as having a little bit of tug. And I got that that statement from Myron Mixon because he's like, I like to have a little bit of tug on my ribs. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I get it. Like I want to be able to pull it off. I want to know that I'm chewing on something, but it's got to right. be a little frustrating as you're preparing for a competition. But but Mitch, for all the competitions that you've been to, and I don't even know yeah, if you can even tell me how many you've been to, if you can even remember, is there like one highlight that, that sticks out above the rest, whether it was a big win or just something you experienced whenever you were there for that day? Just give me that kind of one thing that when you think about your competition career, that that's what sticks out. Well, I think for me, it was probably, I know it was in 2019. So I had an opportunity to go over to Paris, France and open up a barbecue restaurant, Kansas City style barbecue restaurant right on the Seine. And uh, my head chef, Paul Patterson, who I didn't know until I got there, he and I, he and I became really, really tight friends. And he had never been to the United States. So I was, I knew I was, after a few months, I was leaving and coming back. And I specifically was coming back to the States to compete in Memphis in May. So I brought him with me and we spent a week in Kansas City uh, where he lived with my family and got to see my friends and meet everybody. I had him over at George Brett's house, had him over at a baseball game, <laughs> like just, you know, funny, funny, fun stuff. And then I took him for a week down to Memphis in May and I put him in charge of the seafood category. And it was like straight out of a Disney movie. Um, we won for best sauce at Memphis in May and he won for the seafood dish the first time and he was nice. shaking in his boots and to have him up on stage hoisting that trophy above his head uh, just gave me goosebumps. It was the coolest thing ever to to see him thrive and have fun. And just his eyes were just wide open. And it, it was just a cool, cool, cool experience. Well, I'm glad you brought up that story because I remember following you because we, we were friends at this time, but I remember following on social media. I'm like, what the hell is he doing in Paris? Why is he still in Paris? Like I wasn't paying that close of attention, but I'm like, okay, who's this mustachioed guy with the weird yeah, hat? Yeah, that's him, man. That's him. You're following around. So like, <laughs> explain this to me because I've never been to Paris. It's not really a place mm -hmm. that, that I, it's on my top list of places to go, but that is a place that is Should known be. for its Should cuisine. Be. Okay. It's not a place that's known for its cuisine, right? So like I've been to like, you know, Ireland and in the UK and the rest of the UK. And it's like, okay, they're not exactly known for their, they're known for fish and chips and, and whiskey right. if you're in Scotland, right? Yeah. For their scotch. But you know, what, what made you like kind of break down that whole story of going over to Paris to open up a pit barbecue restaurant. It just seems like it doesn't meet what, what that culture is wanting. Like I think of them as like wanting really expensive cheese and to look down on us Americans as they pour really expensive <laughs> wine on our heads. Like, but just explain how all that kind of went down. Well, I, I it's a, there's a huge, uh, you know, foodie aspect in, in French, but as you say in France, but it, but it is French cuisine. It is five-star Michelin. It's a uh, ratatouille, you know, it's everything <laughs> yeah. under the sun, but Kansas city barbecue didn't really exist. So, um, there was someone that was working at char bar, my restaurant in, in Westport that brought it to my attention. And of all things, as crazy as it was, it was a Craigslist ad that said, uh, uh, ISO in search of, uh, American barbecue chef to come to Paris to teach us and uh, how to cook American barbecue and help us open up a restaurant. And he showed this to me and I took it home and, and showed it to my, my wife and kids and like, Oh pop, you got to do that. Like, like you should do that. I'm like, really? I'm just going to move to Paris. And <laughs> I mean, come on, this is nuts. So I think after about, you know, four or five Coors lights on a Friday, that Friday night, I re 
uh, with their urging, I responded. The next day, and this is 2019, this is in uh, February, um, I get an email back asking me to do like a Zoom or a WebEx type thing. And I, I didn't know what Zoom was. I'd never sure, heard yeah. of Zoom. You know, what are that new shoe from Adidas? Yeah. You know, what is <laughs> yeah. Zoom? So I'm, I do this with her and, and this is how fast it was. I think eight days later, I was on a plane flying to, to Paris. So it wow. was pretty in, in, insane. It was intense. So they got me a flat. Uh, you know, I didn't know anything about Europe. Um, and uh, I went over there. Um, and my very first day, I showed up in the morning. And uh, Paul, who's from uh, New Zealand, so he spoke English, which was the saving grace of the whole mm-hmm. deal, um, comes walking in and he says, hey, you Mike? And I said, Mitch. He's like, close enough. Follow me. And we went back to the kitchen <laughs> and a friendship was born from there, man. And it was just the best time ever. I'll tell you, it was incredible. So how is, how is it received? I guess, cause again, I'm thinking of the hoity toity Frenchman. Yes. I'm painting yeah. with a broad brush here, but how was that style of food received there? It was very well received. What the other thing that you have to kind of remember is there's a lot of expats living over there. Mm-hmm. So I literally guys would walk in, I'd give them burn ends ribs and they'd get a Budweiser and they would hug me and say, <laughs> dude, you it's are like the greatest home. thing I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is awesome. So there was a, a big, you know, a group of expats that were living over there that would gather. Um, it was fun for people to try new foods. I mean, who I would walk around literally with a plate of burnt ends that just melted in people's mouth and to see the joy and the excitement in their eyes and look at me and say, what, you know, what, 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 yeah. <laughs> what, what? What is that? You know? <laughs> I was like, it's good, isn't it, Ponzi? It's good. And like, yes, yes. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, you're, you're, cause that's like, that's a language that, you know, that goes beyond language barriers, right? right the language right. of meat. Like, that is just something that people completely understand. And as a quick aside, before we get into something else, you, you said it for the first time on this, on this podcast, but you call everybody pods. Yo pods. Yeah, yeah. Yo pods or podsy. It's on the labels of your, your barbecue sauce that's right behind you. It's in the but book. Not everybody not everybody uses that that terminology to refer to another human being. So you gotta tell us where does pods, where does podsy come from? That's P-O-D-S-Y for those of you that aren't picking it up. But yeah, what's podsy? Well, when I moved out here to Kansas City, you know, not only was the culture different, but the language is a little different too. So I'd be rolling in to uh, pro shops and, and speaking with pros and assistant pros. And the big term out here was pards, you know, Hey pards, how are you yeah. doing? Short, short for partner. partner I'd yeah, be, I'm yeah. good pards, you know? <laughs> and then I kind of had fun with that and threw a little of my East coast in there and said, pots. And so <laughs> basically it's the same thing as calling someone partner or pards. I just say pots. All right. Sounds so, good. Now that everybody knows you should got to yes. start using that language with your friends. Everybody calls me that by the way. Yo okay, pods. That's good. Yeah, I mean, you, you've created this influence. I'm, I'm glad for it. But you did mention a little a second ago, Mitch, you mentioned your restaurant Char Bar. So that was a uh, restaurant that opened up in 2015. I guess the, the general question is, is why open a barbecue restaurant in Kansas City? I mean, of all places, yeah. that seems like the hardest place to get another restaurant off, off the board. But you got a really cool location. It was a really cool concept. So kind of take us through how yeah. Char Bar came to be. Well, it's kind of like dropping your shorts, right? I mean, take a look because you, you are showing yourself to the world in the hotbed of barbecue. But another philosophy is fish where the fish are, right? If you could put out some good par- product and have good, good barbecue in Kansas City, 
you're going to have lines that wrap around buildings. People just go towards barbecue. It's huge. So, um, yeah, I, I was, I always wanted, you know, the, the maturation of the brand, I was doing well with sauces, doing well with rubs competition. I was getting on TV and everything. And everyone's like, you need to have a restaurant. You need to have a, uh, you know, a, a grand stage for your product because you talk about it and we see pictures of you winning, but we can't taste your product. How can we taste, you know, what you're putting out? I said, good, good idea. But, you know, TaylorMade writes me a nice check every month. I'm kind of digging that, you know, a, yeah. you know, I'm not sure about that aspect of it. So I was quickly introduced to my two partners that I have now. And uh, all they knew how to do was run restaurants, successful restaurants. They didn't know anything about barbecue. So we were kind of a perfect marriage. And uh, it took a while to get off the ground. But like you said, I think it was November of 2014, rolling into 15. Uh, Charbar was born. And and really, I enjoyed uh, Texas barbecue. I had spent a week traveling throughout the state of Texas and and seeing their venues. Now, from a weather perspective, they're able to be open outside a lot longer than we are in mm -hmm. Kansas City. But I really, really enjoyed the outside aspect, the picnic tables, the bar, the music, the games. Kansas City didn't have anything like that. So you, you've been there. Uh, so we have like 10,000 square feet outside dedicated to all of that that I just spoke about, a full croquet course. There's... Uh, a couple bocce ball uh, with white crushed oyster shells. There's, uh, you know, throw bags, ping pong, uh, swings, you know, all that kind of stuff really to create a cool vibe and in a unique neighborhood in Kansas City of Westport. So um, that along with about 7000 square feet inside, it's a, it's a huge barbecue platform for us and has been very successful. Well, Mitch, when people talk about their happy place. You know, sometimes yeah. in their minds, they're thinking, oh, they're at the top of a beautiful waterfall <laughs> or some serene mountain landscape. Char Bar in Kansas City is my happy place, okay? Because I was awesome. there. I was there like a couple of months after it opened up. And yeah, anytime I'm even, yeah, even anytime I'm in a stone, within a stone's throw of Kansas City. So I was in Lawrence, Kansas a few weeks ago. Where are we going for lunch? What do you mean, where are we going for lunch? We're going 45 <laughs> minutes down the road and we're going to Char Bar, okay? And I've been to some other places in Kansas City, but that, that's kind of the main place. So I definitely appreciate you opening that up. And I know you guys Got some other stuff you're working on here in a second. We'll mm -hmm. talk more about that as well, but we've got to get in to this book. So Barbecue okay. Revolution, Innovative Barbecue Recipes from an All-Star Pitmaster. Obviously, this is your book. The thing about this yes. book is it's not just a beautiful book. It can double as a home defense device because this thing is like weighty. <laughs> this thing is like serious. But the, the thing about it is I've seen a lot of cookbooks and you, know, you, you get a lot of cookbooks when you get married and those different things, but I had never really found the quintessential barbecue pitmaster cookbook. You get a cookbook that had, you know, some pulled pork sandwiches or some random recipes for this or that, but this feels like the quintessential book. But I guess why even write a book sharing your story? I'm sure you're writing a book five years ago wasn't on your radar. You know, right. why put out your story and your competition secrets and, and all these recipes? They asked me. <laughs> okay, okay, that's a pretty good answer, but you're going to give us uh, a little bit more detail. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I mean, I have... A whole room in my house almost dedicated to cookbooks. I'm a cookbook nut. For Christmas, I'll get 10 cookbooks. Everyone, it's the go-to. What do you get Mitch for his birthday? I'll get him a cookbook, but make sure it has lots of pictures in it, right? There you go. Uh, because I won't cook a recipe if it doesn't have a picture with that comes with it. So when I came back from Paris with with uh, with Paulie and brought him back, it was it was quite quite a, a, a tale. Um, we landed in the Kansas City Star. Had a full page picture of Paul and I. Um, when we landed that he didn't know about. Um, I had done an interview over there and had sent some pictures to an editor and that was waiting for us when we came back. So that was huge. 
I drove him from the airport to Charbar before even getting to our house to do an interview with the six o'clock news. Um, we do that interview. Um, we get back to my house literally about one hour later, I realized I didn't have any Jack Daniels, which was not going to work for Paulie. So we <laughs> together drove to a liquor store. We walk in and the first person that sees us points at Paul because he's got his hat on and he wears his mm -hmm. leather jacket and his white, the same as the front picture of the, the paper that day and points to him and says, look, there's that guy. And he, Paul looks at me and goes, this is going to get sick, mate. This is going <laughs> to get sick. <laughs> so we, we garnered a lot of attention. Um, probably a month later, I was, uh, I got an email that just said from an editor saying, Hey, would you be interested in telling your story? Looks like you got a colorful past and writing a cookbook. And I said, you know what? I would love to do that. You know, I, it was a little apprehensive at first cause I have mm -hmm. no idea what to do, but, um, and that took about four months. Um, first of all, they asked if you'd like to do it. And I said, sure. And then for two months, they make you prove to them why they should choose you to write a cookbook. So it's like, I you to came to me, jerks. So what, what are you I talking know, about? I know, I know. But then it was about a year of writing it really through COVID. I kind of figured that they would write it for me and I kind of sign it and smile and take yeah. my picture next to it, but they make you do all the work. And it was a unique time of the, the in history to do it because it was through COVID. So all I could ever do was talk to my editor on the phone. I've still to this day don't know what he looks like. I've never met him. I've talked to him a million times, but you know, he, he would tell me traditionally he would be there with me, you know, helping me and on site for the shoots. And he pretty much had to give me some rope and let me roll. And, uh, I got an iconic local photographer that helped me out, which I was excited to partner with and that he would do it for a minimal fee. And uh, we spent some time shooting, as you can see in the book, tons and tons of pictures. And mm -hmm. we spent days in the restaurant, days in my house, uh, out at a, a Wagyu cattle farm. Uh, just had fun. I got to pick everywhere I wanted to go. I got to pick every recipe I wanted to do and and kind of just wrote the book and it came together. And they, they help you at the end, obviously, put mm -hmm. it all together and make it, you know, put the bow on the top and make it look pretty. But it was it was a fun, cool experience. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of it. I really am. Well, I got to tell you, I don't use this word very often, but the, the book itself is gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. The pictures look amazing. Like it, it just, it's an inviting book. It makes you, it literally becomes a page turner because yes, you have some of your stories in there. You've got different pictures. You got recipes from you, recipes from other places. But I got to tell you, my heart stopped at one point whenever I was flipping through your book because I thought you made the worst mistake in the world. You included your sauce recipes yeah, and your rub recipes in the book. Okay. Because I use meat midge barbecue sauce on just about everything. I put it on <laughs> broccoli. It's absurd. I use your rubs on everything. I don't, I don't mess with anything else. I was shocked to see that you included those things in your book. Okay. Right. Because to me, that stuff is gold. You're literally giving gold to people. So that's, that's my biggest question of the day probably is why did you include those super, what I thought were super secret recipes in the book? Yeah. Well, you know, the barbecue community is a sharing community. I mean, uh, if you're not shigging, you're not trying, everyone's pulling off other people's recipes and making them their own. So I put it out there. I mean, so you'll probably make that recipe and say, you know what, I'm going to add a little bit of uh, this or a little bit yeah. of that and make my own type style, which is awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. And uh, at the end of the day, not everybody's pulling out a, a pot and pan and making all this stuff, taking the time they want to just grab the bottle and roll. Mm. But uh, and, and another way, I've also changed co-packers twice. 
and it's been a year long process both times for them to get a simple recipe correct. So oh. um, I find it very hard to believe anyone's going to nail it the first time in their in their uh, kitchen. But you know it's fun, and hopefully you know I've got new sauces that I'm coming out with, and I'll just continue to to roll and. And yeah, I think if you're going to if you're going to come out with a cookbook, I mean, share what you got. Let's have some fun and and keep going and maturing and, and uh, you know, evolving. Right. And, and guys, for those of you that don't really know what I'm talking about, you might have his uh, his sauces or his rubs in a local store. I mean, there's an Ace Hardware a couple miles from my house that has some, but obviously I'll put a link in the show notes so you can go to his website and you can order that stuff for yourself so you can test me and see if I'm actually being legit. But before we move on from the book, uh, there's so many recipes in there. It's almost overwhelming. So if you're like, okay, I want to maybe try this or maybe try that, you know, I want to do a difficult one and then maybe an easy one. Is there a recipe from your book that you personally think is especially awesome, but that you think that some people might actually end up overlooking because they're, you know, worried about the ribs or the brisket or something? Yeah, for me, um, obviously growing up on the East coast in Pennsylvania, I have a, a recipe in there that I don't know exists in any cookbook in the world. And that's for scrapple. So scrapple is kind of the, they call it the lips and ass, the stuff that hits the floor that doesn't even make it into a hot dog. Uh, that's, that's very popular on the East coast. I figured, Hey, let's try to make this with, with some of your leftover pork and meat that is actually good, really good stuff. And I think it turned out amazing. Um, it's probably an acquired taste, but it is so flipping good. And I would have put that on the cover of the uh, of the book, but they said, you know, we wanted to sell books. So that probably wasn't a good idea, <laughs> but it actually is buried in the cover in that magnificent mound of meat. There's some scrapple in there, but I would try that. I mean, the, give that a run for its money. It's so good. Okay. Sounds good. We'll make sure that gets out to everybody. So we've talked about the book. We've talked about Char Bar, but I don't know how much you're talking about it right now, but you've got a new project that you're working on. And yes. I don't know, I don't know how else to say it. Cause again, I don't know if you're even allowed to talk about it, but oh, yeah, you yeah. got a new project. Uh, can you give us some details? Sure. Well, I actually signed a lease for Meat Mitch Barbecue four years ago. That's how long that this is, has taken. And I think we're probably about a month away. Um, it'll be at 95th and uh, mission and ranch mart and it's a big location it'll be meat mitch barbecue it'll differ from char bar a little bit in the fact that uh, i wanted that experience where you walk up and you kind of see some exhibition cooking you see guys carving out slices of meat burn ends you see the smokers you see everybody working uh, you have a cool menu board you order and you sit down uh, and then we'll bring it to you from there and there'll be a bar Big outside component, similar to Charbar, games, turf, chairs, uh, TVs, all that kind of stuff. So um, it's been a long time coming, um, but I'm, I'm excited. That should open up in, uh, I think, four to six weeks. And then also we're in the middle of, I don't know if you're familiar, uh, the Kansas City Airport is being completely redone. It's If you fly in and out now, you can see the construction that's taking place. But there's been a bid uh, up that I'm part of. And if it gets approved on Thursday in 2023, we'll, we will have a meat Mitch barbecue at the brand new KCI airport, which I'm really excited about. Nice. Too. That is awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that one for <laughs> yeah. sure. Uh, but I, I just got to ask as well, like, because I feel like I have two separate stomachs. People don't understand me when I say that, but like I've got a stomach for meats and all those different things, but I also have a separate stomach that is just for banana pudding. So can I make a request that <laughs> banana pudding be in the new meat metro restaurant? Is that, is that part of the plan? Could I, could I possibly just beg you for that? 
I can tell you that I kind of have a hybrid of that. We will have banana whoopie pies, which are to die for, that you might be able to enjoy. Okay. All right. Well, I will definitely put that on my Christmas list for this year that I need some whoopie pies from you. So um, I want to get into just some random questions because as I was preparing this interview, I was getting so giddy to talk about different things categorically, but then I had a bunch of just random things that came up and you brought up a little bit of it earlier, you know, talking about George Brett and talking about being able to cook for the Royals and the Yankees and different things like that. But obviously what you've been able to do speaking the language of barbecue has gotten you in with a lot of different professional sports teams with locker rooms or clubhouses. Aside from the stuff that you've already mentioned, Mitch, is there like a favorite memory or experience that you had that, you know, was kind of centered around athletes or a game? Well, I I mean, it's going to be the all-star game. And unfortunately that's what we've already talked about, but that was the penultimate experience just to be there with all my boys and be firing back and forth for three days in a row to the locker rooms. I mean, just the fun and camaraderie that takes place around the celebrity all-star game is hysterical. I mean, just sitting in that room, feeding all the guys and, the people that you see on TV never in person. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I was at that All-Star game as well. And I'll, I'll share with you kind of a quick memory that I had because I was working for Major League Baseball at the time. You know, mm-hmm. we're at the, the Home Run Derby and the All-Star game. And I remember Robinson Cano getting booed mercilessly at the Home right. Run Derby because there was a Kansas City. Oh, I just forgot the dude's name. Uh, Billy Butler. Uh, there, yes, you know, Billy Butler. In. Yeah, he was not selected because that was at the time where there were team captains and they selected who they wanted to be on the AL team or the NLT. And Billy Butler, the home run hitter, uh, home run hitter for you know the the local team, was not right. selected by Robinson Cano. And I think Robinson Cano had won the home run derby the year before, right? And so he's you know the favorite to win this thing. He goes out there and the crowd boos him mercilessly right. every single pitch of the home run derby and he hit zero home runs <laughs> during the home run derby and i could not like the fans cheered so loud for that so it was hilarious right. but this is the story so at this point and i had told this uh this in the intro you know i had already met you and i had already kind of met george bread you know with kind of the stuff that we were doing you hooked us up with barbecue but i remember when you and george came to our section you know for for me and the other people that were working with me and he said hey how's it going things are going great hey y'all having a good time blah 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 and then y'all leave our section and not 15 minutes later barbecue just shows up in our section and is getting passed around. And I'm like, that's kind of a cool thing. You walk into some place, you shake hands, you high five. And then like 10 or 15 minutes later, barbecue just magically shows up for everybody to eat. So that is one of my favorite memories as well. Um, but I, I did also want to kind of get into some specifics about you and I'm going to kind of make you pick your favorite kid with a few of these. Okay. Uh-oh. So if, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make it awkward. If you could only eat one type of barbecue meat, for the rest of your life. Okay. So brisket, ribs, burn it, whatever. Right. You can pick one for the rest of your life. What are you choosing and why? Whole hog. <laughs> no, get- <laughs> see, I'm not going to let you get away with that. You can't have the whole menu. You got to select one. I, I would probably say burnt ends. Um, obviously they were, you know, born and created and made famous here in Kansas city, but they're so darn good. Um, you've had them. They're just little pillowy puffs of magic that, that, you know, you get that nice bark and that middle center just melts in your mouth and you can just keep popping them all day long. So I guess I would, I would roll with burn ends. How about you? Uh, okay. So I, I figured you would ask me, it's so tight between ribs and burnt ends, but mm-hmm. I would probably say ribs. And the, the tiebreaker for me is because I have this weird deal where I will get a whole rack of ribs. Like when I go to Charbar, I'll get a whole rack of ribs. I'll eat half of it there. And then I'll put the other half in the refrigerator and I'll eat it the next day cold. 
And like, <laughs> I, like, and I'll put a little bit of sauce on it. The sauce will be cold as well. It's even more tug. So thank you, Myron. <laughs> I got even more tug on my rib. And so for me, like next day, cold uh, burnt ends aren't quite as good. So right. that's why I would go with ribs. So all right, I'm, well, gonna I'm put glad you, in. you brought that up from Myron. So that's one of the things that is a is a fallacy is people say, my gosh, those ribs were so good. They were fall off the bone. Yeah, and if yeah. you talk to my wife and if you talk to my kids and neighbors, they want fall off the bone ribs, but a judge isn't looking for that. That just means you overcooked them. Right. So there is, there is some, you know, there is some professionalism in the cooking that we do to acquire that bite. So where you take the bite and you come out, you see that bite mark that's left mm -hmm. in there and the ribs not falling down. It's perfect. And so that's what we're going for. But in the backyard, the kids want them falling off the bone. Right. Well, I remember reading in the book, I thought it was interesting. You, you talked about chicken, you know, you have skin on the chicken yeah. and whenever you bite, they shouldn't be having to like tug the chicken away. There should be that perfect bite mark. And I never really thought about that. And but they don't want that skin, that whole skin yeah, coming back with you. Exactly. You need to perforate that skin perfectly with your teeth and leave it there. It's tough. Well, it's not easy to do. <laughs> Well, it's not easy to do. And I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. And this is going to make some of my listeners mad. Oklahoma barbecue is a joke. I swear. <laughs> I grew up in Oklahoma and I'm surrounded by people that thinks chilies like, oh, those are the best ribs in the world. And you get these yeah. random barbecue places that people think are, are just the best. And so it's like, okay, we need y'all to like expand your Kansas city territory, come down right. just a little bit Southwest that maybe, Hey, I don't know if there needs to be a meat Mitch restaurant in Oklahoma city. Hopefully I can hook someday. you up. Okay. We'll, we'll work on that. Okay. I'm going to make you pick another favorite child here. Okay. If you could only eat barbecue from one restaurant in the world and it can't be one of yours, oh. which restaurant would you choose and why? That's a good one. You know, so for me, it transcends food. Sometimes it's the experience. It's the smells. I get goosebumps every time I walk into Rendezvous in Memphis and they're mm. not famous necessarily for their food. But when you walk down those steps and sit down and you smell the air and you look around and you see the people that are working there and the stories that they tell you and how they make you feel, I would eat there every day. I mean, it is, it's one of the first things when we pull into Memphis and unload and get into our Airbnb, we all look at each other and rub our hands together and say, let's go. And we fire off to rendezvous and it has nothing to do with the food, although it, it's fine, but it's just the atmosphere and the vibe and how cool it is. So I, I would probably be getting uh, reservations there. Okay. Sounds good. If you could only eat the barbecue made by one living pit master, I'm going to make oh, you man. pick a best friend now. Yeah. I'm making it super awkward. And I love that you're, <laughs> you know, feeling a little bit awkward about it. But you could eat the barbecue of one living pit master, but it can't be you. Who would it be and why? I guess probably Tuffy Stone. I mean, he's hard to beat, right? I mean, he's the he's the guy that wears a cape that flies around the barbecue world. So I guess uh, Tuffy would be uh, Tuffy would be behind the pit for me. Okay, so th this might answer the next question, uh, but I'm I'm gonna open it up just a little bit more. In your humble opinion. Who is the single greatest pitmaster of all time, living, I you know, actively in the business or not? Yeah, well, I, I guess you got to give it to to Myron. You got to give it to Tuffy. There's, I mean, what did Myron just win and become? Was it? Well, did he just reach the all time leader in uh, world championships last he year? He may have. I saw something come up here recently. I I can find it later. But I, think I mean, he's the winningest guy that there is. So it would have to be Myron. 
Okay. Sounds good. Well, Mitch, we, we've had a lot of fun. We've talked about a lot of things here. This is one of the greatest subjects in the world to talk about compared <laughs> okay, to some of the things that I talk no about. There's no wrong answer, right? No, there are no wrong <laughs> answers. But at the end of my shows, whenever I have especially uh, fun guests, I like to do a segment called, What Would You Say to Someone That Said? And so oh. I'm going to say, what would you say to someone that said? I'm going to fill in the blank, but you have 30 seconds or less to give me your answer. This is rapid fire. This is lightning round. Okay. Uh-oh. So are you up for it? Sure. Okay. Let's hit it. First one. What would you say to someone that said, I'm scared to smoke a brisket. I don't want to mess up an expensive cut of meat. Well, I think we kind of hit that. I wouldn't worry sure. about that at all. I just, I just dive in and maybe start with some lesser expensive meats, you know, a pork butt. That's a big protein that takes a long time. You have to, uh, have the patience and the technique similar to a, a more expensive cut, like a, a, a brisket or something like that. Start with a pork butt, you know, and uh, mess around with that and, and screw up the, the cheaper cuts, but don't be afraid at all because it's, it's nobody's splitting atoms out here at the, at the <laughs> barbecue competition site. We're not geniuses. Hey, I've sure. ruined, I've ruined a couple of pork butts at the same time because I ran out of pellets and I didn't know what was going on. So I was so sad about it. And one of my friends was like, could you imagine if you had two briskets in there? So I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, That's a lot better. All right. Next rapid fire question here. What would you say to someone that said, I'll have my steak well done with ketchup, please. Oh, that's bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst. I I would say check, please. (laughs) Hey, I would be leaving. I woke or I, I grew up in a family that I grew up hating steak because I was given skirt steak, like well done with ketchup. Like it was like eating a bicycle tire. So I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. with you. I probably can't be your friend if you order your steak well done with ketchup. All right. Next one here. What would you say to someone that said smoking meat is just too complicated for me? Well, it's not. It's not complicated. I'd say buy my book. So that would, that would give you a little bit of a head start Buy the book, but, um, it's not complicated. It's, it's easy. It just takes, uh, it just takes patience like we talk, but it's fun. And it's, it gives you a long time to sip on a beer and have conversation with friends and, you know, get it fired up, get it going. Hey, like you said, you're not splitting atoms, but I think you're selling yourself a little bit short here, but you know, we'll roll with it. Okay. Next one here. What would you say to someone that said pitmasters should never share their secrets? Well, I disagree. I mean, obviously I shared all my secrets and I think most do, you know, I've had the the opportunity to attend many classes, uh, from some of the best in the world and, and everyone's eager to share what, what they learn because no one's coming up with this stuff on their own out of their blue. Someone's always helped someone get to where they're at. So, um, yeah, I, I would, I would share everything as I have. And as most do, if you, if you, you know, get in conversations with the guys at, at, at competitions and round tables, uh, they're, they're quick to tell you what they do or what they've learned or try this method or something like that. So everyone's just trying to make the best that they can. And, and everyone, as I said earlier too, is rooting for each other. Honestly, I really believe that. When it's, it's, it's an abundance mentality. It, it just goes to the benefit of everybody because if you can stand on the shoulders of giants, you can go even further. So I, I yeah. definitely believe in that. All right, next one here. What would you say to someone that said Carolina barbecue is the best barbecue in the United States? I'd say, where do you live in Carolina? <laughs> there are regions i painted with a broad brush but you know what would, what would you say to someone that says that i would say that they're probably local there and i would say uh you know welcome to introduce you to some texas bar- barbecue and some kansas city barbecue and expand your palate a little bit but there's great barbecue everywhere and uh uh, Carolina definitely has it. Memphis has it. Uh, it's all, it, it's a preference comes down to preference and what you prefer, but, but, uh, I like it, but it's definitely probably the lower on my chain. All right. Lower so end. you hit on this, you hit on this a little bit, but what would you say to someone that said Texas barbecue is better than Kansas city barbecue? 
I would say from a brisket and from a beef uh, point of view, they may be right. I think that they just kill it down there. I mean, I love it. I love that they have the beef short ribs with the big dinosaur looking type mm. bone. We don't really specialize that here. I'm going to try to introduce that a little bit. Some guys, you know, do it here and there, but it's not a, a you know, as frequented. Um, <clears throat> but their their beef is off the charts. It really is. They don't necessarily do the burn ends and stuff, and and the ribs are a little different, and their sauce is way different. It's more sometimes like an au jus or whatever. But mm. uh, I thoroughly enjoy Texas barbecue, and 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 can't wait to get back. I gotta say, I love beef ribs. If it's on the menu, I'm ordering it. Just right. the amount of char that you can get on that. Like uh, sometimes I'll just skim off the like top level of char. Like it's the fattest <laughs> thing that a human being can do, but I absolutely love it. All right. Just a couple more here. What would you say to someone that said meat is murder? I'm a vegan. Well, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And as you can imagine, being in social media, you get some of that, uh, yeah. you get some of that response and, and I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, you know, that's a tough one. You're getting into, you know, people's emotions big time. So I think there's a place for them to live and a place for me to live. And hopefully we can do it uh, harmoniously together. Well, you gave the diplomatic response. I'll give the rude one. You're not entitled to that opinion because that opinion is flat out wrong, sir. Okay. You need to grab a piece of meat and and go on about your business. All right. Enough with this vegan stuff. All right, man. Last question of the day. What would you say to someone that said meet Mitch Benjamin makes the best ribs and burnt ends in the world? I'd say, come on in, sit down, <laughs> let's hang out and watch the game. <laughs> I, hey, I figured you would say something like that, but man, we've gone everywhere in this conversation. We've talked about a lot of great things. I appreciate all the time, but that is all for me. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? Well, I, I, I wanted to share one more thing because you just brought it up. Um, I actually had a member of my team for several years that uh, became a vegan. He became a vegetarian. So, But he still competed with us, still traveled with us, still did everything. Um, but when it came down to trying, you know, stuff before we put it in the, the little white box, you know, the little, the blind box Yeah, yeah. before doing that, uh, he wouldn't try it. And there was a, a competition in Kansas city where as cool as it was, a, a black car rolls in and it's George Brett and Rush Limbaugh get out and it's <laughs> stay there on a Saturday and they're there all day. Right. And Rush is so into everything. He's wanting to yeah. see how, you know, what we're doing, how we're cutting and He's eating. I mean, he's got barbecue sauce all over him. And, uh, we're towards the end of turn-ins and everything. And he notices that my, my buddy on the team isn't trying anything. And he, he looks at him and he says, uh, Hey Greg, what, what's going on? He goes, Oh, I'm a vegan. I don't eat any of this stuff. And he goes, that is the ultimate form of hobby. You stay out here all weekend long and don't try anything. I've never seen anything like that in my life. <laughs> so that was kind of a funny thing. That was kind of a cool testament to vegans still being able to barbecue. Hey, that, that is actually one of the things because you you legitimately and literally do not get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. And by the way, right. your Rush Limbaugh impression is pretty spot on. I'm sure, you know, <laughs> may he rest in peace, but you might have a future on uh, Saturday Night Live if they need somebody to come in and do Rush Limbaugh. But hey, man, again, I super appreciate it. But Mitch Benjamin, thank you so much for coming on on Daunted Life, a man's podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Take care. Have a great week, buddy. There you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed my time with Meet Mitch Benjamin as much as I did. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know by now, at Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness. And specifically, we do that by providing content like this podcast that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So here's what we got for you. We got the link here to Meet Mitch's website. So you can check that out. You can buy his sauces. You can even buy the book there, all kinds of stuff. And that's what the next thing is. The next link is actually a link where you can get a signed copy of Barbecue Revolution. I would absolutely suggest you do 
do that. It's right in time for Christmas, guys. You got a lot of dudes in your life that need this book. And then I've got the Amazon link to the same book as well. Guys, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. We do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a five-star positive review if you don't mind. Also, if you want me to come speak at your live event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like us on Facebook. Then you can also check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And we also want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is our song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah.